0: Podcast that you're about to listen to may cause some listeners to say, Oh boy, I like
1: the Singularity podcast. Yay!
0: Well, hey, hey there, happy innovators. How are you all doing today? I hope you're doing all right. I'm doing pretty good. Thought I'd sit down today and do a little bit of talking for y'all. And, uh, you know, I hope that you're enjoying the new PC3 music that I've released over the past month or so. And uh, there's plenty of more music coming. Trust me. I'm working on lots of new stuff. Not doing much else other than uh, working on new pipe choir music and new PC3 music. But i should mention i guess that uh recently i've started to paint again which is kind of cool it's like uh one of those things it's like when the time is right you know i sit down and i do that every once in a while um you know i've been painting on and off really for my entire life so you know it's fun to do kind of keep the chops up, you know, of uh, painting and fine art as opposed to just making music all the time, you know? So anyway, here we go. Another five days, the new format, I think for the Singularity Podcast. So without further ado, today is Monday, October 9th, 2023. And, uh, you know, I was wanting to talk about this funny little thing that happened not too long ago. Um, maybe about a year and a half ago, I had like the desire to buy an American flag because I didn't really have one, you know, and, uh, believe it or not, I've over the years kind of established a little bit of a flag collection I have a lot of different flags from different countries and uh, even at one point um, I had asked some of my friends from around the world you know fans of Pipe Choir and PC3 to do like a flag exchange with me so they would send me a flag from their country and I would send them an American flag so I bought all these flags and distributed them out to my friends you know, around the world, and, uh, uh, I didn't buy one for myself, okay, and so, you know, maybe a year or so after that, all that, you know, I had this pile of flags from all over the world, it was really cool, uh, you know, people wrote on them, you know, different things, different, uh, You know sayings and quotes and they would mail me a flag and it was really i thought anyway really cool i mean some people were like why are we doing this and i'm like because i want to you know i'm asking you to there's no real deep meaning or anything i'm just doing it to do it so the long and the short of it is i have like you know this flag collection right but i didn't have an american flag for myself so i went to the store to buy myself an American flag. And I did, bought it, brought it home, and, uh, you know, kind of like didn't think too much of it, you know? But then my folks passed away and all that kind of stuff, and I inherited a lot of stuff from my parents. And <laughs> one of the things I inherited was um, a bunch of American flags that. Either my father had purchased, my mother had purchased, or even like my grandparents had purchased. So some of these flags were really old. Some of them were relatively new. And um, all of a sudden I found myself with not only the flag that I bought for myself, but maybe like four or five other flags. So I'm like, what am I going to do with all these American flags? Like I have all these flags for what you know that where am I going to put them or where am I going to display them you know I didn't really know so maybe a couple days after that my sister sends me this book and the book is called Cleveland in World War two and it's written by Brian Albrecht and James banks um, and I'm looking at the book right now. I have it here. And, uh, my sister had sent it to me because featured in this book about the city of Cleveland, Ohio, where I'm from. Um, there's a paragraph or two dedicated to my family because my family, um, back in the days of world war two, um, there was a, a family of seven that my father's uncles, um, they were serving in the military. So there were seven sons and six of them enlisted into the military and were serving overseas during World War II. And um, I mean, it's noteworthy, right? Because of the sacrifice this family made that six out of their seven children were fighting in the armed forces. And uh, I'm bringing it all up because I thought it was really kind of strange timing that my sister had sent me this book. I had just gotten all these flags and I was wondering why do I have so many flags, but now I think I get it. I have a flag for each one of my uncles that served in the military in World War II. So it's got me thinking about this whole idea of flags, you know, it's kind of a big deal these days I mean when you think about it really this idea of a flag what does it mean when a flag is raised you know it's it's no small thing uh, when a flag is raised you know, over certain soil right it has meaning you know like when there's a military exchange of any kind flags are a way of disseminating who is who and what is what, right? And, you know, when an area of land is conquered and a flag is raised, you know, by the conquering army, uh, it's a big deal. I mean, remember the famous image of Iwo Jima, you know, the, the soldiers hoisting the flag up manually, you know, after this big battle and everything. And, oh my gosh, you know, it's an iconic image now but it's iconic for a reason. You know, it's because that means something, you know, when you raise a flag like that. And uh, I was just, you know, recently checking out something, they were talking about the whole January 6th thing that happened and somebody was mentioning how, uh, you know, there, there was this breach of the Capitol building and uh somebody had brought a confederate flag into the capitol building which historically would be you know unthinkable or a disgrace to bring that into that building and i thought about that like i never really heard anybody express that kind of thing that um back in the day, you know, the days of the civil war and, uh, when America was divided, like it was, uh, nobody would even think about bringing that Confederate flag into the Capitol building. And the fact that it had happened recently, you know, January 6th, you know, um, I had never thought about it that way. I had never heard anybody say it, you know, But it got me to thinking about how there's a flag that's very very popular now it's common you see it everywhere it's a rainbow flag right and uh man you see it everywhere you know and i just kind of wonder sometimes when i think about it especially with everything that's going on right now in the united states i kind of wonder You know, is that flag representative of a nation? You know, it's not really just a group of people, really, from one country or another. You know, it's a flag that represents many people all over the world. And, uh, you know, people here, at least in America, as far as I can tell, are encouraged to fly that flag. You know, it's seen as a sign of what tolerance or acceptance or you know um, empathy for the plight of the community, or you know, it's it's a symbol of a group of people, you know, uh, and an ethos and a political conviction, right? This rainbow flag and. It just got me to thinking like, isn't it strange that we have a situation where somebody can't bring the Confederate flag into the Capitol building because it would be disgraceful. Huh? Okay. But why is it okay for any other flag to be in there then? Like wouldn't it be disgraceful to have any flag other than an American flag or a flag that represents one of the United States. Any one of them, you know, why is it okay that the rainbow flag is everywhere? Absolutely everywhere. Schools, buildings, public spaces, but something like the Confederate flag, eh, that's not acceptable. I don't understand that. Maybe somebody could explain that to me. Okay. Today is Tuesday, October 10th. Yesterday I was talking about the flag in the Capitol building during the January 6th situation. And, uh, you know, I, I gotta say, um, I had some more thoughts about that whole, situation on January 6th at the Capitol building, you know, this famous moment where uh, the insurrection took place. Yeah. So, you know, a few years back, actually a long time ago now, probably almost 20 years ago, you know, my wife and I lived in Washington DC for a year. And uh, I got to tell you, you know, I hear all this stuff about what happened at the Capitol building and, you know, it's a huge controversy, you know, here in the United States and, oh, it's such a big deal, but I gotta say, I don't know, it doesn't make too much sense to me because while I lived in Washington DC for a year and it was only a year, so, you know, doesn't mean I know everything, okay? But what I do know is that I spent a lot of that year on the mall area of Washington DC and man I went to every building everything I could see I wanted to see you know I'm fascinated by that stuff I love it you know and I don't care what your politics are and you shouldn't care what mine are either I just like that stuff okay I think it's neat and uh, I spent the whole year going to as many places as I could in Washington, D.C. And one thing that I know for sure, okay, and this is like 20 years ago, okay, is that, you know, you can't just go wandering into any building you want to in Washington, D.C. Okay, you can't. Um, There are metal detectors. You have to go through lines to, you know, There's screenings for certain people, for certain buildings. I mean, it's like, you can't just go waltzing into the Capitol building or something like that, you can't. It's impossible, okay? And uh, anybody that tries, okay, um, it's considered an act of aggression, you know, uh, a breach, um, an act of war maybe even, to enter one of those buildings without the proper permission and the channels you need to go through to be able to go in to any one of those buildings there in washington dc not just the capitol building okay we're talking about everywhere okay every time i wanted to go into a building smithsonian institute Uh, you know, the Washington Monument, you name it, any one of those structures that are there for the public to view, if you want to get in, you got to (laughs) wait, you know, they got to put a metal detector over your ass, you know, before you go into anywhere, you know. So when I see this story about how these guys, these people, these protesters were storming the Capitol building and they got in. I don't know. It's kind of like this. Like, from my understanding of Washington, D.C., which is rather intimate, you know, understanding. I did live there for a while and I was there and I know what it was like while I was there 20 years ago, just post 9-11, by the way. Um, If you walk into one of those buildings without the proper you know, clearance or whatever, they'll they'll shoot your ass, you know, like they'll leave you where they find you. You know, they don't have to ask questions or anything like that. They don't wanna, they don't have to arrest you or something. If you walk into one of those buildings, especially if you're looking to cause harm or whatever, there are plenty of people in those buildings that are armed, they are military, They are guarding the building. And if you step into the wrong place at the wrong time, it'll be the last thing you ever do, okay? And uh, so when I see this footage of the insurrection on January 6th of these people just walking around inside the Capitol building, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. You can call me a conspiracy theorist or delusional or whatever, I don't mind. But one thing I do know is that you don't just go walking into any of those buildings that are there in Washington DC. And if you try to, okay, you might get like to the door, you know, but they're going to drop your ass. You're dead. It's an act of aggression to mess around in any one of those buildings. And uh, that was my personal experience there, my understanding, having been there for a while and really had the opportunity to see everything there was to see in Washington, D.C. So, yeah, there's my thoughts on that. Maybe I'm wrong, but you can think what you want to think and I can think what I want to think. You know what I mean? Okay. Today is Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. I was talking to a friend of mine about the idea of money, you know, wealth, um, You know, like how much money is enough money and how much is too much and all that kind of stuff. You know, just like I guess like typical things that you would think about or I would think about. Right. I mean, that's pretty normal. Right. I mean, money is the kind of thing where, you know, for a lot of people anyway, it's like they're always chasing the buck. You know, they their whole existence is based on this idea of making money. You know, they work, they invest or whatever they do, whatever it is they're doing for the most part. Okay. They're usually doing it either to save money somehow or to make money somehow. Okay. But I wanted to take the conversation one step further, you know, because let me ask you a question. Okay. Does it matter how, okay, how you make your money? Or is it like all that matters is that you do have money? Okay, that's a good question, you know, but it's pretty clear to me. You know, I I think that it's not enough to just have a lot of money. I think that it matters a great deal how you make your money, you know. um, In my belief system, in my point of view, okay, my way of thinking, the way I see the world, I think that it matters how you make your money. And I think that sometimes money, the actual currency, the money, the paper you know, that you buy things with can actually be cursed depending on how you got that money. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Does it sound too superstitious to you? Maybe it does. And I would understand that, but I would disagree. You know, Um, I'm sure that most of you that are listening to this can remember you know, a few years back, there was a show called Breaking Bad. Oh, it was a great show, you know. Um, Oh my gosh. Like, Especially in the wake of Sopranos, you know, and uh, how Sopranos had stopped. That was over with. That was done. And then along came this other show, Breaking Bad. And, oh, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. But I think that In hindsight, looking back on that whole series of Breaking Bad, okay, the the moral to the story was a lot like what I'm saying here, that it matters how you get your money. And you know, the Walter White character, spoiler alert, um, the Walter White character finds out in the end that it's not enough to have a lot of money that's not all there is to it and you trade really in a lot of ways you know you trade your own well-being or your own justice or your own sense of dignity and salvation really when you forego your personal virtue in order to make money. Like when you trade virtue for monetary gain, I believe that that money can be cursed and it will be your undoing, you know, or it could be your undoing. Like, um, it matters. It matters how you make your money. It's one thing to be wealthy and to have made it from hard work sweat and muscle without destroying the lives of other people, you know? But when you trade your morality, your morals, for money, hmm. That poses a pretty big problem. Now to a lot of people, that's probably not an issue. Okay? And they probably would say that I'm whacked out I'm too superstitious and you know, there is no connection. There's no spiritual connection to your money and how you make your money, but I can live with that. You know, I don't care. I think personally, having thought about it for a while now here, uh, this, this Wednesday morning. Um, I don't know. I think that it matters how we make our money and, uh, you know, I don't really have any reason to be thinking about that, but sometimes I think about stuff that just pops into my head and I think about it and then (laughs) I talk about it here on the podcast, you know, so I hope you were entertained and, uh, yeah. That's all I want to say about that. Okay. Today is Thursday, October 12th, 2023. I was listening to, uh, this song from back in the day. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. It was a hip hop song by a group called the digital underground. And the song was called the Humpty dance, you know, and, uh, Back in the day when that song came out, I thought it was funny and I liked the way that it sounded, you know? And, uh, you know, like, like I was saying the other day, I heard that song come on the radio or something. I heard it somewhere and, uh, you know, it sounded so good, like now, you know, compared to, okay, compared to, uh, a lot of the hip hop music that's coming out now. You know, um, now I gotta be honest with you guys. Okay. I don't really like hip hop music. Okay. It's not my thing, especially, you know, newer hip hop music. I just don't want to have anything to do with it. I don't like it. I think it sounds awful a lot of the time. It's not all bad. Okay. Nothing is ever all bad. There's usually some kind of redeeming quality about any music that's being made. You know, it's that's how I feel, but not a big fan of hip hop. But it did get me to thinking about that. You know, that I grew up in this era when you had, well, really the beginnings of rap music and hip hop music. And that happened right when I was in my adolescence. You know, I was right there when MTV started and, you know, Run D.M.C. was doing "Walk This Way" with Aerosmith and uh, "The King of Rock" by Run D.M.C. and Public Enemy. Uh, you know, um, N.W.A. and uh, you know this this music that now is like iconic and you know it made history. You know, hip hop, rap history. You know, but. When I listen to that, like the Beastie Boys even, remember the Beastie Boys? Oh man, they still sound so fat when you listen to their songs, like even now, you know. But uh, it really kind of bums me out a little bit because you would think that with the progressions of technology and how, you know technology is advanced, over the past, you know, what, 20 or even 30 years in some cases, right? Um, you'd think that the music we would be hearing now from the hip hop community would be so awesome. And I don't, I don't think that it is, you know? Um, now, to be fair, like I don't listen to a lot of hip hop or rap music now. I don't. So I wouldn't know a whole lot like about if there was a group out there that stood out and they were doing something really different and really innovative, okay? But I guess if you're listening to this and you can think of a hip hop group or a rap group that you would recommend I listen to that came out in the past 10 years, Hey, I would be willing to listen and give it a shot and probably even talk about it in a future podcast. But I don't think you're gonna be able to hand me anything that sounds better than the Beastie Boys. I don't think you're gonna be able to hand me anything that sounds better than Public Enemy from back in the day. You know, and I gotta say here, right here, right now, uh, Chuck D from Public Enemy, in my opinion, has the best voice ever in rap music. But even like a group like Cypress Hill, you know, uh, they are so good. And they came out back in the day, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, right? I mean, that's when they were making their stuff. I mean, they're still going too, don't get me wrong, but we're talking about, you know, the origins, you know, of hip hop and rap. And, uh, while I don't like modern day hip hop, I do have a lot of interest in that older style, the older production style of rap and hip hop, where there was actually humor and it was funny. And, uh, they had a, you know, a rap group needed to have a voice, you know, somebody in that group or maybe even a couple members like Run DMC, Beastie Boys, uh, Public Enemy, of course, with Chuck D and Flavor Flav, Um, you know, Cypress Hill, right? Um, More than one voice, you know, that was unique and uh, a style, you know? And uh, I don't know, maybe I'm way off base here, but I was listening to Humpty Dance the other day and I thought to myself, You know this sounds so much better now than it did even back when it came out you know it's kind of funny the production is great Uh, the beat is great the idea is funny Um, I don't know is it worth mentioning I think so yeah I think so because I'm waiting for that new thing to come, you know, that new group to come from out of nowhere that just makes everybody just stop and reconsider, you know, the state of the music that they make, you know? Um, it's gonna happen. I, I'm pretty sure every few years or so, there's somebody that comes along, you know, like Eminem did, you know? Absolutely brilliant. Um, There's no question about it. That guy is amazing, you know, but, uh, even Snoop Dogg, you know, (laughs) so, yeah, I don't know. That's just my opinion about it. I like music. I listen to a lot of different music and, and there's a lot of music I don't listen to as well. So there you go. All righty then. Let's see here. It's the last day of the week. Friday, October 13th. And I got some thoughts for you today. Okay? Does anybody want to say, It's Friday. Yay! Let me ask you a question. Do you believe in ghosts? You know, spirits, ghosts, stuff like that. Because I do, you know, I believe in ghosts. I do wholeheartedly full on without any doubt. You know, I believe that ghosts exist. They are real. Spirits are real. And, you know, I never had a problem wrapping my head around that idea, you know, but let's just say for the sake of conversation today, that when I asked you, the listener, do you believe in ghosts? Let's say you said, no, I don't believe. Okay. Okay. Conversation over. Done. Right. But when I asked you the question, do you believe in ghosts and spirits? And if you said yes, okay, now we're on to something. Right. This is a conversation. Now, now that we've established that we both believe in ghosts, let me ask you another question. Like, what is a ghost? Okay. Like who becomes a ghost? Or how does one become a ghost? Like if they were a person at one time, okay. And they died and somehow, you know, in that process, they didn't go where everybody else goes. They went to this other form of existence Um, you know not a heaven not a hell but they're like in between and like I I wonder that ever since I was a little kid I I wondered that you know like who becomes a ghost and you know traditionally I guess we would think that it would be somebody you know who died a tragic death or a premature death and you know, they haunt the place where they died. Uh, maybe in some cases, people have said they are spirits that are not aware that they have died. Wow, isn't that strange? Like, is a ghost like somebody that's in a dream that they died in their sleep or they didn't realize they had died? So they think they're sleeping still, like they're in a dream. Is that possible? Whoa. Like what a thought, right? Do you guys ever think about this kind of stuff? You know, because I do, I think it's fascinating, you know, to consider like what, what exactly goes on like after we leave our bodies, like what exactly goes on when we die, do we, you know, move on to what and who moves on to where and for what reasons? You know, what is a ghost? When people see a ghost or a spirit or a shadow or a thing, something that is there that shouldn't be, but they can see it. And maybe sometimes they talk to people, you know, or they communicate with people. What is up with that? Now, a lot of the time, I think that there are spirits that are, uh, malevolent and powerful and, uh, you know, evil and they want into our reality or into our dimension. They want in, you know, they have to, you know, access it vicariously through some person that is alive. Okay. And, uh, oh man, that's a whole separate conversation, but. Um, what is a ghost? What is a spirit? When we see a ghost, how do they get there? Are they self-aware? Do they know what is going on? Or do they see us? Are they aware of us? I don't know, but I think it's a great question. And one that I'm, you know, I guess content to end this podcast with today, you know, maybe you'll let me know in the comments, what you think, and maybe I'll pick it up again in a future podcast, you know, trying to make this podcast more of a communication between you and I as much as I can. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes, but I, for one, yeah, I believe in ghosts and I am not quite sure exactly the process in which somebody becomes a ghost, but I guess I can say this before I let you go for today. Um, maybe, okay, maybe it's possible, okay, that when we die, we are given judgment. Okay. By what I believe is almighty God. Okay. The God of Israel. I believe that. Okay. I believe that when we die, we are judged, but maybe, maybe out of mercy, you know, because some people are probably so afraid of that judgment that maybe, maybe out of mercy, God allows some of them to not be judged right away. And maybe they have the chance to kind of work it out somehow before judgment is laid down on them. And maybe that's what we see when we see a ghost. Somebody who has avoided judgment for one reason or another and will eventually be judged and given the afterlife that they have earned. And, uh, that's about as weird as I'm going to get today. So, you know, I'll admit this isn't one of my stronger podcasts, but eh, who cares? It's all in good fun, right? We're allowed to think what we want. We're allowed to say what we want and, you know, just try to be good to each other, right? Anyway, my happy innovators, have a good weekend and uh, remember folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy. Okay, happy innovators. I got some music for you today at the end of the podcast. And uh, what I want to share with you today is a song that I wrote a long time ago called A Slave to Nothing. And, um, you know, I wrote this song a long time ago and uh, when I first wrote it, I thought it was okay. You know, I was happy with it. And, uh, you know, I told the story before about how uh, in some other podcast, I don't remember which one, I told the story about how uh, I had sent this song out to a mastering house when I finished it as an experiment to see if I should have my music professionally mastered by someone. And, you know, I told the story about how it was a complete disaster, and the guy who mastered it was a real asshole. And, um, oh my gosh, it was awful. He handed me back something that was just total crap. Basically, I got ripped off again by somebody, and I decided to buy Mastering Software and start mastering my own music, learning how to do it and all that. And this was the song that got that whole thing started. But I want to share with you today a version of the song from the album, The Wrench and the Rubicon. Which I'm going to be doing a description for, you know, very shortly, and uh, I just wanted to share it because I like it. You know, I redid it, I reimagined it, and uh, changed it around a lot. And um, you know, of course, when I redid it, I have new technology, new equipment, and stuff, and uh, kind of, I think anyway, gave it a facelift and turned it into something that. I'm actually quite proud of. So without further ado, here we go. Pipe Choir's A Slave to Nothing from The Wrench and the Rubicon album. Take it easy, everybody.